Hello and welcome to the Digital Works podcast, the podcast about digital stuff in the cultural sector. My name's Ash and in today's episode, episode number 13, uh, there's a conversation with Linda Spurdle. Linda is the Digital Development Manager at the Birmingham Museums Trust. I got in touch with Linda for a conversation about a project she'd been leading on called Cut Copy Remix. This was a project that she worked on with artists, including Cold War Steve, uh, that came off the back of the Birmingham Museums Trust opening up access to their image library. Uh, Linda has lots of really interesting insights into that process, into the process of opening up access, into the process of working with external artists on projects inspired and driven by the assets in your collection, and a lot more. Enjoy. Hi, Linda. Thanks very much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm fine. Very much. Thank you very much. It's a gorgeous sunny day. So um, yeah, I'm actually in a positive mood. <laughs> nice. Are, are you based in Birmingham? Yes, I am. Yeah. I'm out in Selly Oak by uh, uh, the, the university. I live amongst students. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And if it's anything like it is in London today, then the temperature is going to become unbearable about lunchtime, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so today we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about Birmingham museums. We're going to talk about open access to collections. We're going to talk specifically about a project that you've been doing, working with Cold War Steve, the Black Hole, Cl- Hole Club, and other artists. But maybe a sensible starting point is to talk a little bit about about you. Okay. What is your role at the Birmingham Museums? Um, how long have you been there? What does that role entail on a sort of day-to-day basis? Yeah, I seem to have been there forever now, actually. So they're going through several jobs. So at the moment, I head up the digital team, which is actually um, a combination of digital and um, IT. Uh, it's fa- fairly small, small team. So on the kind of like web, social media um side that's mostly uh me and one other person Ria who's absolutely fantastic um and then uh, there's a IT team of two uh Simon and Dean another absolutely fantastic team thankfully as I am clueless about IT <laughs> um, uh, and then and then I manage the picture librarian and um weirdly the planetarium officer as well because uh, planetarium is digital so that's mine too <laughs> That sounds like a, um, yeah, a fun and, mix. Yeah, yeah, it is. And um, I, I think everybody realises now digital actually runs through um, most things that a museum does. So I work very uh, collaboratively uh, across the museum with all sorts of teams, but particularly, I've got to say, um, the marketing and, and, and learning team and curatorial. I don't know why I'm missing them out. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's, 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 it's really changed as a job I've got to say that that idea that when I started um many years ago it was uh it was for a particular project and I was only supposed to be here two years that's so <laughs> that's so the ways that museums work uh but it was it was very different it was like yeah you're the digital person over there doing this one project uh, and, and now uh, very much integrated across the museum I mean the the reason we're talking today, or rather the, the reason I, I got in touch with you is because I've been really interested in the work that you've been doing, that I discovered you have been doing at the Birmingham Museums Trust. Um, I came across, I stumbled across actually, the fact that um, Birmingham Museums Trust had had put 
a whole load of images on a, an, a, um, a rights, or not a rights free, but an open access platform that I use quite often called Unsplash, yeah. um, which is a really good resource for sort of images for when you don't have <laughs> images of your yeah, own to yeah, use. Yeah. Um, and I was fascinated really to see a museum in that space because predominantly the people who upload images to be um, accessed on on something like Unsplash are photographers normally um, and some sort of royalty-free uh, uh, stock image libraries. And so to see an, a museum putting up, I think, you know, tens, hundreds of images on that platform to be used and repurposed by anyone was was exciting um and then i saw a note you sent out to the museum computer group uh, mailing list uh, about about this cut copy remix project so that's what we're going to be talking about today um but i imagine that the the specific cut, cut copy remix um project was probably the culmination or a, a manifestation of a number of years of foundational work around starting to open up access to those assets and i wonder if you could talk a bit about the sort of arc of that that work at the at the museum where did that start what what has that journey been like because i imagine it has been a journey you know i've worked with collection based organizations in the past where it was like how do we stop people from downloading our yeah, images yeah. how do we watermark things how do we stop them being able to right click on on images and save them to their their machine and this this project and the various manifestations of it that i've seen completely turn that thinking on its head and mm -hmm. proactively make images available for people to to reuse yeah there's still so much of that, isn't there? There's still so much of nobody should use our images. <laughs> Make them as small as possible <laughs> so nobody's tempted to download them. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess when I, 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 I've been working in, in uh, museums quite a long time now, I, 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 I'm horrified to think probably about 20 years or so. Um, and uh, and I, when I started um, work, it was actually on really early digitization projects. And even at that time, I couldn't understand why we would digitize um, artworks that, you know, were, um, so you could see them really well, beautiful images. And then we'd put them on the website so they were really tiny and people would be so protective over them. Nobody, nobody must have these images. And I realized that people thought of the images in the same way often that they thought of the the collections, you know, that that and and maybe I can understand that thinking at that time, because you know it was a brand new thing, putting things on websites, you know, and that 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 idea that the the image and the and the uh, objects were were very connected. But I don't think we have any excuse to be thinking like that now. Um, uh, I guess. Um, it's something I've really wanted to do for a long time um, because I just think often it's public money that comes with digitizes collections, you know, and I kind of think, well, you know, let's let people use them, share them, benefit from them because that's how they've been funded anyway. Uh, but maybe I've been out of step with a lot, a lot of the way that uh, museums think in, in that way. Um, I think for us, it, for Birmingham museums, it, it very much uh, fitted in with um, the uh, the new vision or strategy. I mean, I think we're, we're very uh, um, new and that sort of surprises people. But, you know, despite being founded in 1885 as a trust 
we're less than 10 years old, so we're, we're a relatively new organization. Uh, we're no longer part of the council, so it gives you, you know, when, you, when you're part of the council, you're very much stuck in a certain way of thinking and a set of permissions that you have to get that kind of like loosened up so we can make, <laughs> I won't say fast decisions, <laughs> we're still a museum, but we can make a lot faster decisions, you know. And uh, and when our director, who's just left, actually, Alan McAdam, she's just retired. But when she uh, came in, um, I think uh, she was very, very interested in particular with getting academics to uh, to use our images, to research our collection, actually. But she thought it was an important part of that. They should be able to access uh, our images. So that was, you know, that was important. But also I was going to say that if it very much fitted in with this uh, uh, vision and strategy or, around um uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of our, our lovely uh, uh, strap line, <laughs> something like, um, uh, yeah, yeah, our vision, right, to reflect Birmingham to the world and the world to Birmingham. So, and and, and, and underneath that, there's all sorts of words like, you know, um, public access, community engagement, uh, uh, participatory practice, learning, raising the profile of the the museum globally. You know, you know. Um, so all of these things, you know, if if you mean them, <laughs> I think you have to do them. You know, and 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 releasing images in in this way is one of them. And it also kind of weirdly also traces back to the early origins of the museum because when the museum uh, was set up. Um, one of the driving forces was to to have uh, these artworks and objects from around the world to inspire the local artisans so they could come in and and, and perhaps draw things and make things you know to to to, to that, that they could then create and and, and sell so um it, it connects all the way back to that really isn't it that 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 this knowledge and these artworks are something that should be in, in, inspirational so what you've described there feels like, and maybe maybe I'm putting a positive spin on it, but it, it doesn't feel like it was sort of one person's lone crusade to try and open up access to the, and, you know, they eventually won the fight. It no. sounds like actually it was a, a vision strategy led thing from the, to the very top of the organization yep. all the way down that was linked to sort of mission and purpose and sort of had real tangible um, foundations in the, in the core of what the museum was trying to do rather than be a sort of shiny new way of working in the 21st century. Actually, it was, it was more um, fundamental than that. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Yeah, it, it just like suddenly everything fitted into place and it was time to do it. I, I mean, I'm not saying there wasn't some some internal sort of worries about, you know, not so much about, oh, we're going to lose a lot of money because, um, you know, I don't think we made that much money. But there's always this idea that in the future, <laughs> there's going to be some amazing thing that will happen, which will mean we could make a lot of money from these images. And it's always that that's, uh, that comes up. Oh, OK, we're not making a lot of money right now, but in the future. <laughs> One day. <laughs> One day we might do this. Um, but um, And that's why, I mean... It was a bit of a compromise in one way because of those worries that um, we don't uh, release the images at the highest res. I mean, they're pretty good. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're perfect for academics. They're, I think they're up to 3 meg and 300 uh, dpi. Um, and any higher than that, we still do uh, charge for. And also these are all out of copyright images. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, obviously, if they're in copyright, we still charge for those things. And we still sell images online. Uh, we still have a deal with uh, Bridgman that, that, that they also look after some of our images. So we do, do still have uh, an income. Um, but the, to me, the exciting thing is actually what's happening with these free images. And, uh, and you know, and, and another thing I think that's important to say is that, you know, um, the, the, because of the sort of like, you know, limitation resources, how busy everybody is, um, often you can't uh, help people. I, I don't just mean in inquiries, but, you know, people might come to you with some sort of fantastic projects and you'd say, I'd love to be involved with this. But, you know, really, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm too busy. And this is like not just me. It'll be for cur curators and, and like maybe the learning team. Um, but by creating this resource, you allow people in many ways to, to go off and do it themselves. You know, so that idea that we are. I don't think we're not deliberately blocking things, this idea that you're a blocker, uh, but, but um, you, you free all that up. So you can just go, oh, yeah, just go, go and take all those images. <laughs> and, so, and so you get somebody like, um, uh, I mean, obviously, it's been fantastic working with Unsplash, but also a Watercolor World uh, it's another great website that just have all the watercolors you can find on there. Come and said, can we have all your watercolors? And then just said, like, well, there's nobody to work on this. But if you don't mind going to the website and just downloading them all, yeah, you can. And they, they have a team of volunteers and that's what they did. So all our watercolors are on that website. So, yeah, it's great, isn't it? To just have that freedom to go, yeah, go and do it. <laughs> and yeah, think of all the people who are finding and seeing and using the images because of that. And I think that's that's the, the the most exciting thing to me anyway, because, you know, that I've been an advocate for sort of open data, open access for probably a decade or more now. And that's that it came out of the idea that there was, you know, philosophically, I was sold on the idea and there was potential around it. You know, you, you don't know what people might do with with data. And, you know, you see examples in the, the corporate world, TFL making their data available resulted in CityMapper working really nicely around that um but what's exciting to me is the fact that you you've done this at Birmingham museums and you have seen people start it's not just a nice idea actually you've seen huge levels huge levels of engagement you've seen projects happening that otherwise wouldn't have happened could you could you talk a little bit about some of those sort of real tangible things that you've seen around this this initiative yeah, I mean, the the one that uh, has been great uh, recently, I'm trying to think of their name, which is terrible. Um, it's Tony Hansel and Lisa, I can't remember her name, but they've been doing this fantastic, they've been basically taking their paraphylite, um, some of our paraphylite artworks and 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 reimagining them in this sort of lockdown COVID period and, and putting masks on them and gloves and they look absolutely fantastic, you know. So that has been great, you know, and they're and they're because the images are of uh, a good enough quality to do that, that you know, what they've produced looks fantastic. And they're getting a great response. And like people often think that that we've done this and we've commissioned this. No, they've just gone off and done it themselves, which uh, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, we we worked with um, Rosa Francesca on the uh, copy remix project, but also of her own accord. I guess she's now very familiar with the images. So often, also during lockdown, uh, she's just made some of the paintings sing, which is <laughs> again amazing. It's like, How have you done that? It looks so cool. Um, so yeah, there's all sorts of things going on, you know. And people using them. I see. I see a lot of people actually who are. are um, 
maybe interested in local history uh, uh, just of their own sort of, you know, for their own interest, interest in family history, local history, but also sort of people who are doing PhD research and things like that are using, uh, especially our topographical views of Birmingham, they're all pictures of Birmingham, and they get used and shared an awful lot and they appear in blogs. I guess it's a good time at this moment, isn't it, to be doing that sort of work. So, yeah, I see I see them pop up all over the place and it's it's just it's just so good to see. Um, and in, in the in the email that you sent that first attracted my attention, you know, you mentioned that 1.7 million asset views and almost 17,000 downloads in the first nine months of, of yeah. the the it, online image resource being publicly available. You know, that's just crazy, isn't it? So, yeah, that's, uh, that's, the, uh, that's our, um, so it's our digital asset management system, um, which we can make, you know, we can, we can, sh- we can show part of it to the public. Um, I just didn't realize how incredibly popular that was going to be. You know, it's been fantastic. And and it's because of that that other people discover discover us as well. That's how Unsplash discovered us and, and got in touch and said, can, can, can we use some of your images? And we're like, yeah, that's the whole point. <laughs> but thank you for asking us. And they but then they were also looking to um, because they wanted to encourage other museums uh, to 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 give their images in this way, they 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 create that kind of brand identity uh, for us. Uh, so it, you know you can see they're, they're they're from Birmingham Museums, which is nice, and we can log in and we can see how many people are seeing the images and downloading the images, which is obviously fantastic kind of like um, an advocacy tool for for, for 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 saying that this is really worth doing. Um, and I mean, given the given i suppose both the volume of interest interest and attention that this has had but also that you know as you've just described the real tangible interesting um projects that have happened around this have you know has this changed or impacted or affected the sort of internal dialogue at the museums around digital stuff at all or was was that already quite positive and dynamic and this is a this is actually a an example of that in in action i think um i think people have got more uh positive about it i just think they've seen the the potential now you know whereas before it was just something we talked about you know that there could be a lot more that could happen if we were doing this especially i've got to say although all of the um uh, exciting stuff all of the like maybe working with cold war steve and everything is brilliant I, I think one of the real great things is the academics using uh our images you know so but so internally that that is a really really good thing that we have this positive feedback we can see things appearing in journals and things like that so um so that's good but you know the cold war steve thing is interesting because at the, at the beginning a lot of people didn't know who he was and now like i think everybody in Birmingham is since Cold War, they're Cold War Steve's biggest fans. <laughs> I see his images being shared all of the time. So yeah, everybody has a, this kind of cool factor that we worked with him. <laughs> so so let's talk a bit about a bit about that um, a bit about that project because obviously working with Cold War Steve is is it is a really interesting part of that. But it isn't just working with him, is it? Could you tell us a bit about what is the Cut Copy Remix? project yeah how did think, it come about i think i'll say a little bit about why we ended up doing it or ended up that's the wrong word why why we got the idea to do that because um uh, although we we were aware that academics would want to and uh, use our images and so as long as we could get word out there that would happen we didn't want it just to be that we did want people to be sort of like 
you know, using the, our images to create things, um, to, I mean, maybe put them in all sorts of things that they might be building. It's like, how do you get word out about that? And the first thing we decided to do was a series of, um, uh, you know, remixes, basically, you know, get people, a load of people in a room and uh, and see what they can produce. Now, those were great in terms of events. Um, you know, people really enjoy them. But what I realized at the end of the day is it's left in the room usually. Nothing really comes from it. So it's only, you know, it's great for the people who've been there and they get to know about, about this resource. But often nothing, you know, is built from it afterwards. Um, so we're just trying to think of ways where um, we could get a bigger message out there that people can creatively use our images. And, um, and my first thought was actually to do something which was a call out for AR, AI artists. And this came basically because I went to an AI <laughs> art conference in Leicester last year and I came back incredibly inspired by these uh, artists. I thought, oh, this is definitely what I want to do because, you know, we have such a brilliant set of uh, images uh, that I'm sure something great could come of this. Um, so uh, starts is talking to um, our uh, uh, curator of contemporary art, um, who's Emily uh, Beddoes Davis, and uh, and Emily, uh, we, were, we were getting very excited about this and uh, starting some initial planning, and then she suddenly said to me, "You know what? We could just ask Cold Cold War, not just we could ask Cold War Steve to work with us." And I was like, "That's a little bit random." <laughs> How did you come up with that idea? She was like, he's Birmingham-based. He's doing some amazing work. He often uses um, artworks in what he's producing. So many people would see what you know what he he did. Um, she she was like, no, he he's, he can only say you know no. What's the worst thing that can happen? You know. Um, so she asked him, and uh, and he and luckily for us, like I said, he's Birmingham-based. He was brought to the Birmingham Museum and Art Gallery as a boy, and. Um, <laughs> and he brings his kids now so you know perfect he said he said yes um yes to that so um uh, continue I mean, me and emily continuing to talk about what this project should be she was aware of black hall club uh, in birmingham that works with um kind of emerging digital artists and uh, and this idea came to um we did not have a lot of money for this i've got to say but you know she had this idea that perhaps we could still do this this call out, which was my original idea, uh, by working with um, uh, Black Hole Club. So that's how it all come together. Everybody's worked together absolutely wonderfully. Um, you know, when you have a project that everybody's been a joy to work with, it's a miracle. <laughs> that's been one of these projects. So as, as well as Cold War, Cold War Steve, we, could, we um, commissioned uh, an artist, Martin McNally, who's done this lovely uh, video that uses lots of um, bits of our art artwork. Uh, it's called Ex Excerpt. And uh, Black Hole Club also did two small commissions with two artists that they work with, uh, Rosa Francesca, who does use AI in her art. So <laughs> I got what I wanted. <laughs> um, so that was great. So she's, she, she's, she's used that with uh, lots of our images. And, uh, um, and Alice Oldfield, who uh, is actually more interested in storytelling, and she's used uh, art as, as something that stimulates that. So getting the public to contribute um, stories and memories based on art. So, you know, fantastic things. <laughs> and, I mean, it sounds really fun. Well, you know, above, <laughs> above all, it sounds like, you know, you've you've got these unusual, interesting sort of assets 
that and you're working with interesting artists i love it when you put together things that you wouldn't normally see together and then you come up with something completely new yeah yeah and it's, it's and they've all been bouncing off each other as well, you know. There's, you know, so that's that's been great to see. And some of the other artists too that are involved in Black Hole Club have been, you know, because they've become aware of our uh, of our, our, our artworks. So you know, they've been uh, uh, either using them or like the, or, or the, their uh, part, their inspiration, you know, for doing things. So yeah, that's great. And where does I mean. I'm just I'm I'm looking as we speak at some of the some of the works that um, Cold War Steve in particular <laughs> has done, which are which are just fantastic. <laughs> and but where does the outputs of this project where do they I- exist? You know, it, it, what sort of part of the museum and gallery do they live in? Are they commissions? Is it a temporary exhibition? Is it an online exhibition? Where how how I suppose institutionally how are you framing this for the for the the outside world as it were well the cold war steve uh, work should have been um, going on display you know it's only as we were in lockdown that didn't happen it, it will still happen when when we reopen um they're, they're going to be blown up really large in lovely frames i mean they're gonna look you know <laughs> Is it going to be proper like guilt? Yeah, guilt frame? yeah Amazing. exactly. Like we, what we want, yeah. And and sit amongst some of our sort of like most. I think we may be moving the canaletto to to, <laughs> to to put them to put them there. So uh, I, I think there's going to be a lot of excitement about that as well. You know, um, yeah. And when we were involved with it with with, uh, with Cold War Steve, in, in terms of things like that, we walked around the gallery and talked where it might talked where it might be. You know. I mean, it was great. It's actually him coming in and choosing which artworks. It wasn't just done digitally. He actually came in and we talked, you know, walked around the gallery, talked about things, went into the store, which was all a nice experience. But yeah, so the original idea wasn't a just digital idea. It's kind of become that. I like the fact that, I mean, it's a really important part of actual um, of what Cold War Steve does, that he likes to give his images away for free. So everything he does is available for for download, you know. So <laughs> high res versions of it are available for download, and and for us it's nice. So he um, he gave us permission to put them back on our digital asset management system. So you know it's a nice <laughs> circular thing that he started there, and that's where they they, they now are. You know, you said you said you worked with, um, or rather, the the Cold War Steve idea in particular came from your uh, curator of. Uh, contemporary art yeah. um and it's you know it is a it's an exhibition at the gallery in the gallery yeah. one day um what do you what's the sort of impact i guess on the curatorial part of the of the institution do you think this might result in i mean shamefully i'm not as familiar as i should be about how Birmingham museums and gallery um engages with sort of digital mm-hmm. artists in this way um but is is this perhaps a new way of working a new way of thinking curatorially a new way of interpreting the collection perhaps i i don't know what how is the institutional thinking developed around yeah it? i think that's i think that's true actually i think we i think in recent years we have uh, been increasingly acquiring digital uh, artwork but it's still a new thing 
uh, really. Um, and this this has been something that's really exciting. I mean, it's shown the interest that can be in something like this, that it needn't be um, something that's really niche, that, you know, <laughs> you, you show maybe once and then <laughs> put it away and then 10 years later... <laughs> You have to remember what what it was. You have to you could you know do do we have what we need to show it now? You know that's the I think that's often a, a problem um, uh, with, a, with 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 digital art. That's one of the reasons people worry about acquiring it. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think for somebody like Emily, it, it, especially, it's shown that um, yeah you, you you know when you have a great idea and usually there's all the barriers in place to stop you. <laughs> Our joint sort of like uh, work on this kind of pushed it forward in many ways, you know, because I was the one with the budget. So <laughs> and uh, and I get I guess um, and with this. Uh, the budget for this was to try and reach as many people as possible with with something that was digital. So taking our collections uh doing something that would alert people for the first time to the, to the fact that this resource was available and you could use these images for free. So I guess for her, the other barriers that might, that might have been there were completely blown away because it fit so perfectly with what I was doing. Um, and because people have seen that now, I think you will see a change. If you see what I mean, I think yeah. the kind of worries there might have been about it it's like, wow, look at that. Look at the reaction to that. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, and it feels like a really interesting <clears throat> example of sort of, oper oper you know, modern ways of operating. Yeah. Um, you know, digital innovation, in inverted commas, and curatorial yeah. vision yeah. coming together to create something that wouldn't have been possible without any any one of those elements. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah, it's true. And I hope we do a lot more work like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds it sounds great. It sort of sounds like a really interesting model, and and and, and again, this is perhaps unfair, but I say, it, but it, a surprising way for a museum to to go all in on, you know, yeah. the fact <laughs> that it, it that it's it's you know made its way into an actual, or it will make its way into an actual physical exhibition. Yeah, it isn't, yeah. as you said, just a sort of a, a digital project that's on a page of the website yeah. for to point to funding applications every yeah. now and again but it's a, a fundamental core part of of what the museum is offering to the world yeah yeah it's true i think i think you know i i mentioned before that it, the trust isn't very old uh you know and kind of like fr freed of uh kind of old ways of working i guess yeah, which can be quite difficult first of all do you know what i mean when you suddenly you leave the council you become a trust new people come in you know everything gets changed around it's a tr it's a it's a, it's a difficult time but um because i was uh, with the museum previously in the council the, the the main difference i can i can see is it's much more open to ideas much more open to taking risks you know uh, and thinking it's worthwhile doing. There's things that have happened at the museum in the last few years that I would never have believed, you know. So um, I hope that continues going forward. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, th I think, um, I mean, I don't want to uh, be the person like knocking councils because some, some museums maybe have a different relationship with them, but I think they tend to be very risk averse. 
And then that gets passed on to the museum if you're part of that. You know, councillors worry very much about angry letters and <laughs> and all the rest of it. Whereas, uh, you know, we've we've been doing things in the last few years that in, in some cases have, have, have really angered people. But because it's fitted in with our mission, what we're very much trying to do, you know, we, we've pushed ahead with that. So, yeah, so it's, it's been a good time to work for Birmingham Museums and to see these changes. Yeah. And on, on that that point of sort of reception and audience, how, I mean, obviously at the moment it only exists in digital form and I've, you know, you shared some links to coverage that, that the pieces have had. Um, but what has the reception been like? Have you found that you have reached new audiences so far that people you didn't have a relationship with before have been um, at least engaging with, with, with this part of, of your work? Yes, definitely. I mean, uh, I think it'd be interesting to see whether that translates to people coming into the museum. But online, it's just like amazing, <laughs> amazing numbers, you know. Um, Cold War Steve has a, 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 just a crazy amount of followers. And, um, yeah, people talking to the museum, beginning to follow the museum. I know that you, you can question how important those things are, but they are, you, you are reaching new people, people who have um, not just uh often like a passion for Birmingham I have to say so either they live in Birmingham or they used to live in Birmingham so for that Benny's uh, Babby's one that he did that that just had an amazing effect you know <laughs> it was like all the love all this amazing love coming out for it um, which was great because we B-Bank you know we got to feel the love too we got to feel all that social media love too so I said definitely those ones. I think maybe weirdly the paraphylite ones that he did, maybe a little bit less because maybe if you're not so arts engaged, you 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 perhaps still don't feel that those ones so much. Whereas the the Benny's Babies one crossed over to people who maybe weren't so like <laughs> like didn't care about the paraphylites. <laughs> and what is the you know you you mentioned before on other projects that you have. Um got people's backs up maybe but what was the reaction from the sort of the your more for want of a better word traditional museums audience you know the people for whom paraphrolites occupies a certain sort of space in their consciousness that probably doesn't involve um you know being on the bus um shopping trolleys being uh, overturned <laughs> in, in ponds and vladimir putin being topless in the reeds <laughs> It's been quite strange, you know, because I was a little bit nervous about it, thinking that some of the, you know, uh, I kind of like you said, pro-Raphaelite loving fans would would be really annoyed. But actually, there's been very, very little of that. I think that I can only actually remember one person on Twitter who just did it. Oh, no, what have you done? (laughs) I mean, the other ones might maybe silently mumbling to themselves and... <laughs> but um yeah and 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 there was also but there was also a, a great response for some from some paraphylite fans you know um we had um Kirsty Stonel Walker write a piece that accompanied uh, the, the, those two artworks that that looked at what the the paraphylite artists themselves might have thought about this going on which was you know a nice way in as well for those sort of paraphylite fans who might not have been so sure at the beginning i think but yeah, I've had a few. I've had a few people just saying that they've actually loved it because they feel like it's brought attention to the paraphylites uh, that other people might not have seen it or seen it in a different way. People who might have dismissed paraphylite art as yeah, but it's 
it's Victorian, it's all fashioned, I'm not interested in it. But it's like put that in a new light and made them look at the art. I'm not sure that's true, <laughs> but this is what a couple of people have said to me, that, that they feel like people will be looking at the Paraphylite artworks in a new way, which is, you know, it's a lovely idea. I kind of hope it is true. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I think especially perhaps when the the uh, the exhibition opens at the museum yeah people are going to be coming and seeing these artworks hung next to paraphralite artworks so they can't help but at least yeah become aware of of, of those pieces yeah yeah i think it's true I, th- I think it's quite clever the one where he put them on the bus as well it really humanized them didn't it you can you yeah. almost looked at those characters and thought i've sat on the bus next to especially chatterton lying there passed out <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've seen you on the bus <laughs> the girls at the back from um traveling companions taking up all of the room <laughs> yeah, yeah. And maybe just just to finish i mean i think as as we sort of sketched out this is the result of a number of years of work this is the result of sort of clearly articulated mission vision and purpose this is the result of you know, interdepartmental collaboration and also collaborating with external artists, you know, that is a, that's a knotty thing to be able to just pick up as a model that could just be dropped into any other organization. But I just wonder if you have any sort of words, words of wisdom or learnings or things that you recommend people absolutely should or should not do if they're starting to think about opening up access to their collection or collaborating with digital artists in this way? I think a lot of it does, as we were talking about, you know, align with the kind of vision you have and align with the, you know, your, your, the, the, the kind of principles that your museum is, is driven by. If they don't, you, you just can't do it. You know, uh, they, they make for the argument, you know, when people do say, oh, we can't give these away for free. <laughs> You're there going, well, this would really help with this, this and this. So I think that's important. But also, I think it's, it's really good to know what else is out there because when I was uh, you know I still had to make a case for this and and when I was making the case I looked what other museums were doing although it wasn't happening you know I think uh, in this country there's not many other museums I think York Museums Trust do it not a um, the only difference is that you have to attribute, I think, to the to to the images but there's not many places in this country that do this uh, so, yeah, but looking around the world, seeing, you know, seeing what's happening, seeing the case studies and things, I think that's uh, really important because it just all gives you strength, doesn't it? Because other people have often gone through this, you know, yeah, and it absolutely. makes you your case for why you do things a lot, lot stronger. Um, and, and just on that point, uh, you know, if people are wanting to look at other examples of institutions that have gone through this sort of work, what were the case studies that you identified sort of well, around I, I went I, I've got to say I, I mostly uh, looked at uh, Europeana's um, blog I can't remember what it's called right now but uh, they've got a great blog where they cover everybody who is uh, uh, releasing their images they often have interviews with you know with people about the thought processes that went through uh, um, what they decided to do in the end whether they have as we did re- released um, completely on the you know uh, no license you know no completely open license uh, or, or, or what else they've done um, yeah and I think that was re- actually really useful to see why people made the decisions they did you know f- say for us um, and I think this is true so many picture libraries 
if people do abuse the system, they can't. They don't actually have the the money to follow it up. The 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 legal cost is too expensive. So you have the people who just go ahead and do it anyway, and <laughs> you know, and you, they might get a stiff letter, but basically they're probably going to get away with it. <laughs> and the other people who do, who who don't buy your image, you know, because they 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 can't afford it, you know. So you're in this position. So um, we thought this was so, you know. We realized that was the case. It's a case from many, many places, you know, so there is abuse going on. So that's a, but the, but then we carried that through to attribution. So there was quite a few people in the museum that said, we still want them to say where the images come from. And I was sure that academics always would attribute to us, which is the case. They just do. It's just the way academics work, don't they? Um, but I just thought otherwise, if they don't, it's exactly the sort of same sort of thing. We haven't, we can't police this. We haven't got, do you know what I mean? We haven't got anybody to be on these people straight away and send in legal lessons. So let's just forget it and just not ask for attribution, you know. So like I said, that's just an example of thinking. And that wasn't my original thinking. That was seeing what other people had decided to do. I mean, uh, I think the Rights Museum went the whole hog. I don't think they charge for any of their uh, images at all. And like I said, we have a, a kind of a divide that above a certain level we still charge for. Um, and I think they decided that, you know, it does actually cost a bit of money to administer things like that, which often picture libraries don't know themselves how much it costs to run a picture library. And they just decided the resources were better off spent elsewhere so again like I said you read all these different things and it just helps you with your arguments and 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 what you um uh, um yeah and what you will eventually do so I'm not sure that I think I went off on a tangent then I'm so sorry no, it was a it was a helpful tangent absolutely <laughs> um I mean it it sounds like <laughs> it's been a really good project there's been buy-in you know there's been success there's been sort of KPIs have been met everyone's having a good time but but what challenges, if any, did you face along the way? I, I think it's, it's. I think still internally, there's that idea uh, uh, that I mentioned earlier that that we can make money in the future, so we should perhaps be more cautious. You know, definitely not release the higher res images, as I said. The Rijksmuseum is doing. Don't do that. Um, keep an eye. You know, every now and then people say, "Well, what are people doing with these images?" Well, unless. I see something. I'm not absolutely sure. Well, we should know what they're doing. So, you know, and, and that's a, not that's not a, um, like because it would be great to shout about it, but a nervousness, a nervousness that somehow something might be happening somewhere <laughs> that we should know about because it might be worrying. Um, you know, and uh, th there isn't any internal pressure, but sometimes we do get some people saying to us, you know, you've made a, a mistake here. You, you could be making a lot of money if you were doing this properly. Well, one, I've never seen, you know, outside nationals who I don't really know how they do, but outside nationals, I don't think anybody's making much money out of this at all. And um, uh, it's, it's, I mean, whether part of it is, is for, because I did go and give a talk to um, picture librarians where I was the most hated person in the room, I think. <laughs> the first person who asked me a question, the question actually said, you know, I'm really impressed that you've come into the lion's den. So <laughs> it was much, very much like that. Um, and like one of those people said, oh, if I was running your picture library, I would have made a lot of money, you know, and so... Um, you know, you were just doing it wrong. So didn't understand anything I just talked about in my presentation about why we did it. 
And then this one of the person who I love said to me, people could be doing anything with your images. And I was like, yes, that's the point. <laughs> that's the whole point. But but weirdly, that kind of external pressure remains. Do you know what I mean? They still do sometimes. Various people or organisations will get in touch with the museum and go, what exactly are you doing here? I don't think it's a good thing. And if you manage things in a different way, it could be different. So I think that's quite interesting. It shows to me how much we ruffle feathers, actually, how concerning people find it, that there is a little bit of external pressure in that way. So, yeah. And and you mentioned the your director who'd sort of championed, championed this, who'd yeah. recently retired. Yeah. Are you finding that... How, however she has been replaced that you're having to sort of remake the case as it were well, or is it is it so brought in on an institutional level you don't need to do that i'll, I'll have to see that i have to say because the, the job is um currently being advertised so obviously you never know who's coming in um and there is increased pressure obviously during this kind of lockdown period you know people worried about um uh, budgets you know whether we're um what position everybody's going to be in once we once we reopen i can see there's going to be an increased pressure um but you know it would be a very i mean one you can't reverse it which is why certain thrill that i always have in saying that <laughs> out the bottle genie's out the bottle can't put it back you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube i know, I know. so but even you know it would be I, 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 I kind of think I've got we've got such strong arguments and it's been such uh, an amazing success that there would actually be no reason to reverse it. Do you know? Can you imagine people saying so? So what happened? Right? What awful thing happened that made you stop doing this? Well, we had a tremendous amount of success. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't think I talked about the the numbers on Unsplash, but I think I think like for them it was like. Um, and they haven't got all our images, but they've only been on there since January and they've been viewed a hundred million times. <laughs> Which wow. is just crazy, isn't it? And half a million, over half a million of those images have been downloaded, you know. So that is just that I mean, yeah, I mean you know, add that to the the, the almost two million asset views yeah, you've had on your own system and the you know, twenty thousand downloads is if if the purpose was to open up access and get more eyes on that collection yeah you surely you have achieved that yeah the bucket, by, by you know yeah, many yeah. times over yeah yeah and my uh, picture a, a librarian uh, nadine says her job has become so so much nicer now because she still gets lots of requests and she says yes you can have this for free <laughs> and she basically gets all these sort of like people saying i love you i love you so much <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah all, all good we've made a lot of people happy <laughs> which is which is i mean a, i think a brilliant note to end on thank you so much for your time this morning linda and thank you so much for being so open and honest about the sort of journey that you've been on that at bmag um and I'm really excited. Well, number one, I'm excited to when the exhibition finally opens because I'm in Birmingham every Tuesday, so I'll make sure I I come along oh, to brilliant. to see it. Um, but I'm interested to see what else happens because yeah. it feels like there is momentum, and you you have the right people around you that are looking to sort of use use this open access as a catalyst to to for new things yeah i think you're right so i'm really excited to see what comes next too so <laughs> let's hope we do something really good <laughs>